You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show... How do I do this? Yes. <laughs> Today on the show, we watched The Game Changers. Today on the show, we watched The Game Changers. Life, the universe, and everything else explores the intersection of science and society. If you have questions or comments about the show, or you'd like to suggest a topic, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook, or send us an email at lueepodcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes and references can be found at lueepodcast.com. My name is Jem Newman, and with me today, I have Ashlyn Noble. Hello. Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. David Bonwick. Hello. And Lauren Bailey. Hi. So uh, today we watched a film, film, documentary, documentary, I don't know, half scare quotes, Uh, I don't know, all documentaries are bad, I guess. Uh, The the only good documentaries are documentaries where nobody in the room has any expertise in the subject. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that's the way that works. (laughs) So, uh, The Game Changers, uh, anyone want to summarize this film? One guy attempts to convince us to become vegan by selling it on its macho properties. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's mostly it. Demonizing meat. Yeah. That's the bad part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is a documentary available on Netflix. Uh, it's like an hour and 40 minutes ish. We've looked it up in three different places and we got three different runtimes, so. Most people will probably have access to it if you if you want to give it a watch. There are also a few counter documentaries I think out there uh, which might come up later in the show. But I figured uh, since we have I guess an atypical panel in terms of uh, what we all eat, or maybe a, a panel that is non representative of the general population, uh, I figured we should start by sort of explaining where we're all coming from, stating our biases up front, I guess, um, because I think a lot of us might be, hypothetically at least, predisposed to agree with the conclusions uh, of this film, if not necessarily the arguments. I guess I'll start. Uh, I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for 10 years. The reasons for that I outlined... It's oh, been fi- less than that. You were eating meat when I met you, and we've determined that it has been less than 10 years. It's been just less than 10 years. So, well... Jem started The Skeptics just after we were married, and we finished eating meat shortly thereafter. So, yeah. so it was a, there was a transitional period, oh, okay. um, but uh, I was in the boat of, I'm going to stop eating meat uh, before our wedding, because we had... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, we had a, a discussion where I came home, uh, and uh, I said to Laura, very big sigh, and then said... I think I need to become vegetarian. <laughs> and it was not a fun conversation. We had pork ordered for our wedding. So <laughs> you had to finish. <laughs> I, I, I think I compromised and I had chicken or something. Yeah, you didn't. You just didn't like the ch- the pork, I think. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I was never I was never a, yeah, a, an other white chicken. meat person. Yeah. So it's been, it's been about 10 years since I've been a vegetarian, give or take. And I have been reducing the amount of uh, dairy in my uh, diet for about two years. And have also been trying to totally cut out uh, any eggs. My reasons for cutting out meat uh, were ethical in nature, um, which we I think we discussed uh, way back, more than 50 episodes ago, uh, when we talked about what have you changed your mind about. Yeah. 
And I have uh, cut back on eggs for similar reasons. If you look at the way chicks are sexed and then discarded is the least grisly way of putting it. Um, depending on their their potential for uh, producing more eggs and more chicks. Yeah, uh, uh, mulched, uh, etc. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's not great. So I, I'd rather not be involved in that. Uh, and there are issues with uh, the way dairy is produced as well, obviously, which listeners are encouraged to look into if they're if they're interested. But that's where I'm coming from. So I am on board with uh, vegetarianism on board with veganism. I'm just, I'm not there. So the, what have you changed your mind episode was episode 82, which we posted six years ago. Goodness. <laughs> a long time. We've probably changed our minds about some things <laughs> since then. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time for a, uh, for a revisit. Yeah. I could talk about capitalism <laughs> perhaps <laughs> since then. <laughs> so I am an omnivore who believes that veganism is the way of the future. My mind was not changed by this documentary. It is a belief that I have held for a long time. I think that in the same way that we look back on people and go like, well, they were a pretty cool person, except for the whole slavery thing. People are going to look back on us and be like, wow, they were okay, but they still ate meat. Wow, what a terrible person. <laughs> uh, my point of view is uh, fairly similar. I'm also an, an omnivore. Um, I have considered at various times going more vegetarian uh, to, to vegan. But I just can't. I enjoy eating meat. I enjoy the whole experience of it. I understand all the ethical and environmental and economic issues with meat. But I'm just one of those people that is just not willing to give up bacon and, and eggs and sausage for breakfast. It is very tasty. I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so I also became vegetarian at the same time Jem did. Honestly, not because I wanted to, but because I did the cooking and I knew he would become very malnourished if he if I didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have told you this before. I know, and I feel like you're you're selling me a little bit short. Your plan was cheese. Okay. So you do you do the cooking. <laughs> I do a lot of the baking. Baking is important too, Laura. Yeah, yeah, but not for your essential <laughs> minerals. Are you trying to tell me that man cannot live on pie alone? Yes! <laughs> Especially when there's no more meat pie. <laughs> and you won't eat bean pie, so... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I have made good stuff. Anyway, so... That's why I started doing it. And of course, as most of our listeners will know, I'm a dietitian, so food is what I do day in, day out. I also objectively enjoy food and learning about it and everything. So uh, as I got into it, it was uh, also an interesting experience to try to cook in different ways and bake in different ways. And so I am still a, a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. I try to reduce it as um, the eggs and dairy as much as I can, but at the same time, I will occasionally eat some meat here and there. Generally, when I was pregnant, that would be when. But also times when I'm traveling or when other people have put food together for me, there are things that I, I think about like that and, and think about cultural significance and and so on and so forth there. So it's it's seldom, but I will occasionally do that. I've been a vegetarian since 1994, April. <laughs> it was Easter Monday. My mother was thrilled. <laughs> I had tried it first in 1993, and my mother asked me if I wanted a smoky after about a week of being a vegetarian, and I said yes, not even thinking, and she, then she made me eat it, so then I went another six months and then went back to it. Times were different. 
my mother didn't know as much as she does now. I had a similar experience where I, when I was in second grade, I went vegetarian for a, less than a year, about a year, because I had a dream that I had a pet goose. And then all of the villa, it was a medieval dream. All of the villagers <laughs> came and like, were chasing me and my goose through the alleyways of the village and they caught it and they ate it. And I was upset about that. And so I became a vegetarian. And and now you're suing the makers of Untitled Goose Game for <laughs> stealing your dream? <laughs> it's a delightful game. Um, but yeah, my mom was like, well, you still wear you still wear leather belt and leather shoes. And I'm like, yeah, could we not do that? And she's like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I guess for consistency's sake, I should probably start eating meat. Oh my god, that's such a gem <laughs> story. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) So anyway, I went mostly vegan in my teenage years. And I was 13 when I went vegetarian uh, fully. And vegan through my teens and early 20s. And then I was a member of PETA for a good long time. And maybe my ex-husband still gets mail addressed to me from PETA Uh because they never stopped sending any. I don't agree with their philosophies and a lot of their practices anymore. Mm -hmm. And in the last two years, so uh, since just before our wedding, so I guess almost three years, I started eating some dairy again because margarine just made popcorn wet and not delicious. (laughs) And now I've rediscovered a love for cheese, but ethically... Every time I eat a piece of cheese, I know it's wrong to my own ethical code. Mm-hmm. We heard it on Sandwich Cast. I don't have an internal ethical code that I can consistently stay to. So No, no, no. The, the ethical code is the bread has to be baked separately. <laughs> <laughs> Consistency is a trait of Jem and not of Lauren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I'm the hobgoblin of this podcast. <laughs> I'm the chaotic neutral of the Jem Newmans if we're cloning. So that's where I am. Uh, wavering on going back to vegan. So I think uh, a lot of us are vegetarian sympathetic, vegan sympathetic at the very least. Uh, Although it it seems like a lot of the arguments that we have collectively found most persuasive have been ethical ones, uh, rather than the arguments uh, that predominate this particular piece of media that we watched, right? Um, I I also do think that the the ecological argument is compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know whether we'll get into that during the show, but why don't we kind of talk through the movie and the kind of pitch that they're making? All right, so I'm going to start off with uh, the first main argument that they're making in this film. Well, I think they start off with a disclaimer. <laughs> okay, they do <laughs> yeah, start with a disclaimer. <laughs> this film does not constitute medical advice. Or <laughs> they got I don't it. remember how they phrased it. Yeah, uh, and then they get into. Uh, the host being a uh, tr- uh, martial arts martial artist and trainer, UFC fighter, and going on to how uh, it is difficult to find evidence for the protein that big athletes and uh, professional athletes are are neat are requiring, and how to get those from vegetables instead of uh, instead of meat. Didn't it kind of start out right away with like going into gladiators? Yeah. They, I remember they the jumped gladiators into that right away. Very quickly. Really fast. Yeah. So so the argument was that the archaeologists have uncovered uh, the remains of Roman gladiators who were presented as analogous to UFC fighters. They're high-performance mm-hmm. uh, martial athletes uh, who were apparently uh, fed a mostly vegetarian diet according to analysis of uh, the strontium levels in their bones. Um, and it is claimed that the gladiators would have received the best nutrition and medical care available to a Roman at the time because they were such highly prized slaves. 
Yeah, this, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know whether that's true. That that strikes me as suspicious, I, 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 w- I would say, or su- suspect. Uh, but it, it could be true. But th- that argument then amounts to Romans were good at the athletic and medical sciences <laughs> and yeah. kn- knew how to design an experiment to determine uh, what the optimal nutrition for a gladiatorial athlete would be. And that strikes me as equally suspect, I guess. Well, that would assume that they even knew the difference between carbohydrates and fats and proteins and things like that and where to find them, which we didn't ha- I mean, obviously, they knew foods were different and felt a bit different and things like that. But in terms of saying, oh, this one is a high protein thing, we need this because protein is important. Like you said, John, like they're not they're not at that level and their medical care was take some wine yeah and maybe make a poultice out of it would they have some honey in that somewhere probably that seems about right and olive oil somewhere there's probably olive (laughs) oil in something yeah did you have any additional thoughts on this dave no that's uh that's about my opinion on the romans (laughs) <laughs> and their, and their, their medical expertise. <laughs> so the framing of this whole thing is basically this, you, you know, one man's journey, uh, being skeptical of the idea of an athlete being able to make vegan gains, and then um, discovering over the course of making this documentary, and this is the way all of these documentaries are framed. It's like, I was skeptical, but then I was convinced. It's, um, you know, wh- whether it's true or not, it is a trope so tiresome that I'm already asleep. Um, well, it's an effective narrative device. <laughs> I, like, it must be. It must be, I guess. It's it's so overused, <laughs> I, well, I feel. And I think it can be done well, but when he's saying, like, I was amazed to discover this basic nutrition fact, uh, it kind of falls apart for me. <laughs> yeah, so over the course of this documentary, he decides to stop eating meat and do all of the vegan stuff, and he discovers that he is performing better. And there's a lot of uh, talking head segments with athletes who are uh, vegan or eat plant-based diets, and intercut with talking head scientists, um, basically making, uh, well, a lot of scientists, but also a lot of firefighters who are really into (laughs) veganism. Uh, Yeah, there's just, like with a lot of these documentaries, there's not a lot of care made to distinguish areas of expertise, and there is absolutely no effort to present, uh, like they they do mention the arguments made by the other side, but there's absolutely no advocate for a non-plant-based diet, whoever appears um, to make an argument, right? It is all straw people, I guess. So after the gladiator bones, what was the next big claim that we uh, got angry about? Well, so so I, I think the next big thing was, was something that's actually true. That's one of the things about this documentary is that there are a lot of things that they say that are true, and then there are some other things that they say that are more complicated than than that and then there are a lot of things that they say that are trivially true and that (laughs) most people who know anything about nutrition know uh and then there's just a bunch of stuff that is not true and it's all mixed together but the next thing i i wrote down was a some sort of nutritional scientist talking about how your energy comes predominantly from carbohydrates and that was no 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 he wasn't a (laughs) nutritional scientist he was a medical doctor oh was was he a medical doctor okay they know nothing about nutrition (laughs) true <laughs> you said it not me 
But I'm just pointing well, Like out, I said, they are not very careful to uh-huh. explain the credentials of everybody they're but interviewing. he had title rings for both the World Series and the Super Bowl. Therefore, <laughs> he's an expert Expect. on everything. Doesn't matter. He yeah, won a mu- Super Bowl. Much Actually, more important. team did, but, you know, he was the team doctor, therefore. Super Bowl ring. You get a ring for being the team doctor? Apparently. Maybe That's he just cool. ordered one. You get a, you, well, to be fair, you get a ring for being the guy that owns the team. Yeah. Like, I feel like that makes sense, though. <laughs> yeah. There's everyone that's involved. Like, the janitor gets a, a ring. It's, it's a whole thing. You gotta pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> you get the opportunity to own a ring. So anyway, what he was saying was that um, your your energy that you expend is stored in carbohydrates, stored in glycogen in your muscles. Um, like, this is way oversimplified, but it's also true. And the predominant source of energy that you take in from your diet is also carbohydrates. Protein and fat are, I mean, fat is a better source of energy than carbohydrates. It is a more efficient source of energy because mm-hmm. uh, you have those all those nice uh, carbon hydrogen bonds. Um, but they, they, they kind of sidestep that and they're saying um, it's, it's, it's more from carbohydrates than from protein, which is true. Well, but what they're talking about specifically for sports performance, carbohydrates are better. Fats are yeah. not a great source, especially in sports and, and athletics that need bursts of energy. There. It's because it's so, faster, right? Yeah, yeah. Like glycogen is a lot faster to, to liberate and, and carbs are just faster to burn. Fats mm. are a lot of a slower thing. So the ultra marathoner that we saw progressing through the Appalachians throughout the movie, he would be by the end of the day running on fats for sure. But like, so they're not wrong in saying no. that carbs are a better source in this context. Yeah, I, what I was trying to get to is that is that it's a lot more complicated than the story that they're presenting. The and, story of nutrition is right. a lot more complicated. <laughs> and they are presenting a simplified view, but the definition of better, it depends what you want. For storage, a fat is a much more efficient way to store energy than a carbohydrate because you can you yeah, can yeah. pack you can pack it in uh, a lot better. It also uh, doesn't draw a ton of water along with mm-hmm. it. So one of the things that's frustrating about these movies, and I, I find this with a lot of the documentaries that I'm supposed to like. No, I'm not going to get into Bill Maher. Um, <laughs> agreeing with the conclusion, but disagreeing with the with the arguments themselves mm-hmm. is, I find, one of the most frustrating things <laughs> yep. that can happen. Like, you're and, supposed to be on my side and your arguments are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this, this documentary would have been just fine or even, like, great if their argument was, you can be healthy and you can even be a high-performance athlete if you eat a vegan diet. But for some reason, what they have to do is turn around around and say um, that this is the only way to truly be a high-performance athlete, and all of the other athletes suck. Yeah, they've been doing it wrong. They're they're killing themselves very quickly. Like Their blood is cloudy. Their blood is cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this is the way they do it on, on Mythbusters 2 or, or whatever. A lot of, not experiments, but demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Very small n demonstrations of, you know, th- this is your body on meat. crack that egg Um, it obviously appears convincing to the people who are being interviewed but uh, this goes right back to the start though because one of the very first things I remember seeing is it was four bullet points that this host had I don't remember all of them but I did jot one of them down is 
research your own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, like such oh, a weird oh, point. That's like the Bruce Lee method. That's what that's it what was. That's what he was talking about, yeah. Okay. Calling, calling your own personal experience research is an abomination, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but I am very, I, I assume, you know, at least... I, I'm sure my shrink finds me incredibly frustrating because I refuse to infer anything from my own experience. <laughs> oh, God. Talking with him, you was just... <laughs> but, like, I'm not even sure that's what he was saying. So I wasn't sure what research your experience was supposed to mean. But I thought from context that it meant research whatever you're doing. And then f- figure out from there what is useful about what you're doing. Mm, okay, Th- that that seems bad or wrong in a in a different way, different I guess. Way. <laughs> it, it seems like, very much like a motivated research approach sure, where you're trying yeah, to prove that what totally you're doing what is what right. Doing. Sure, uh, I had I had interpreted it to mean like your experience is research and you can do like you can do research on yourself you know you can Mm. say you know how does my body respond to a plant-based diet versus how does my body respond to a meat-based diet but the problem with that is that you have no control and there are an absurd number of confounding factors so um and there's no there's no blinding um it is i mean like you can try to try to blind yourself but it is incredibly complicated yeah, I I feel like that's I mean if you want to call it logical fallacies here we're talking about an argument from personal experience which is a sort of a hasty generalization. Well, yeah, I would say I would be more cautious with that because everybody's body is very different and our own experiences are so subjective. I wouldn't want to discount what we learn from different things there, but we have to take it among the evidence, not as the sole evidence. I, I would frame it a little bit differently, but yeah, I would also be concerned with saying, well, I feel great on it, therefore you're all wrong and you have to do it this way. So I found the what Bruce Lee meant by research your own experience. Ooh, okay, excellent. <laughs> be neutral, be the researcher, understand what's going on with you from a neutral place. Notice what you normally gravitate towards and notice what you enjoy in the tasks you already do in life. This includes everything from what you to eat what you like at work, how you enjoy spending your leisure time and your relationships. Who do you get excited about connecting with? Take note and journal your experience. Like that sounds good. It, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that your personal anyone's personal experience is invalid. I'm just saying that I am never willing to infer larger cause- conclusions. Yeah, from, yeah. Yeah, totally. I just wanted to know what was actually mm-hmm. meant by that weird <laughs> phrase. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's a, a, a great clarification. They they talk about a lot of very elementary things uh for people who know like a little bit about nutrition like i think most of us and then the you know there's also there's laura, laura sitting next to me who, <laughs> like, who and I don't knows a lot about I'm, nutrition i'm an expert like i i know a fair amount but i'm not like academia level nutrition you have expert more expertise than most of the people on this documentary <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've got a four-year degree in nutrition and 12 years of experience working in the field just 10 okay (laughs) close enough but they presented it like a bombshell that you don't need to eat meat to get protein or you don't need to eat meat to get a complete protein you can get protein from plants oh my goodness okay (laughs) who would have thought this was so so frustrating they keep saying vegetables get your protein from vegetables like your freaking romaine lettuce salad is not a good source of protein, okay? Oh, but every vegetable has a complete protein in it, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's like, where they kind of went off the rails. They just, oh, it's so infuriating that they refused to make the basic points that anybody who's read about this 
would know already. And I don't know what they're trying to hide. This is very <laughs> common knowledge. Yeah, so every time I hear somebody say, get your protein from vegetables, drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. No, that's not a great source of protein. You'll get a little bit, but not much. You need to eat legumes. You need to eat some nuts and seeds. You need to eat those things. And doing it without soy is going to make it really hard. I think a lot of people don't know the difference between vegetables and legumes, to be fair. <laughs> They consider be- a bean a vegetable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's assuming that most North Americans can actually figure out what beans are. Because when I, I say beans, they're generally like, oh, yeah, I love green beans. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I, I think most people are thinking in 20 questions categories, animal, vegetable, mineral. Yeah. <laughs> so falls into the vegetable category. But as for getting a complete protein from vegetable sources, there are a couple of sources. So soy is the best one, and it's a very high-quality protein, which means that it has – a sufficient breakdown of the essential amino acids. These are the ones that we can't make ourselves. We have to eat them from foods in appropriate quantities. And it's relatively quite digestible, which means that not only does it have the building blocks, but we can actually get to it. Our enzymes and that do a good job of breaking it down. Quinoa is a pretty good source of the complete protein as well, but that's pretty much it for intact complete proteins. Animal proteins, except for collagen or gelatin, are complete proteins, though. So that's one of the big differences. And it really doesn't matter whether it's egg or beef or milk or that. They're all pretty much complete proteins, though they do vary in their digestibility as well. So they're not all exactly the same, but they have a much broader uh, amino acid profile. So when we get to our vegetables, right, as, you know, your romaine lettuce salad, no, it's not a complete (laughs) protein. It's going to be most... Plants will have at least some of every amino acid, but it's the ratio and it's the amount. So if you were to only eat or eat your diet as a large portion of certain things, you'd be missing out on certain amino acids. So when they said that every vegetable contains a complete protein, they probably meant that every vegetable has every amino acid, but in like tiny, tiny amounts. Right. Right. Well, to to be fair, they didn't actually say the words uh, that every vegetable contains uh, complete protein. They They just say it all contains all the amino acids. Which is what a complete protein is. And they had just defined a complete protein. So it was extremely misleading. It was. Yeah, they also showed a graph of two human human outlines um, with the uh, the minimal level of protein, and they showed that the average omnivore gets you know the minimal level of human protein, uh, the minimal level of human protein, <laughs> the, the minimum the minimum recommended level of protein, but then most uh, vegetarians or vegans get like way more than the minimum recommended level of protein. But as Laura pointed out, that could very well be because they're not eating proteins in the same recommended balance. And so they end up with with way more of some amino acids than others. And so they have to compensate. Yeah, it comes down to that digestibility, which this documentary refused to talk about. Mm-hmm. They didn't explicitly say it because they can't, because it's false. But they really tried to imply that plant protein functions exactly the same in the body as animal protein does which means that it breaks down very similarly and has all the same balance of things. And it doesn't. That doesn't make it bad. It just, it's different, right? And so that's where the idea of that, yeah, if you're paying attention to your diet, if you're doing vegetarianism or veganism properly, you are probably eating more protein than your 
omnivore counterpart because you need to in order to get what you need because the digestibility of it is lower. And I think it's possible that you actually uh, misunderstood that graph. When the omnivore was at 50%, they were saying that even omnivores get uh, at least their recommended amount of protein from vegetables. And then on top of that, they also eat meat. Oh, from vegetables. Yeah. Oh, that's oh what they were yeah, I, I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah I misunderstood I, that too then. I, I thought that it was just saying they get at least their recommended intake of protein. Yeah, period. no, they were saying they get at least their recommended intake of vegetables, uh, even if you're not really concentrating on getting it from vegetables. And I think that's probably not true. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> Looking at I the, doubt Maybe that. the average omnivorous athlete, but even that seems like I have been appalled to discover how few people eat any vegetables at all. It is truly horrifying. Just one other thing on that point. It, and again, it's not just the vegetables. Like, it's just <laughs> that idea of, okay, they're getting it from their vegetables. Well, like you said, Ashlyn, they're probably not. And a lot of, because a lot of people, like you said, Jem, are just not eating enough vegetables. And even if they are, there's not a huge amount of protein in them. You'd have to be eating so much that you're... Animal intake is probably by by default quite low to be doing it. So even if you don't, you're not intending to be vegetarian, vegan, you're not consuming a ton of animal products. Yeah, because your stomach is just not big enough to eat enough vegetables for that much protein plus right, animals. Right. And this is, again, something where people just don't realize how much you need to eat of vegetarian things to get protein in. So people think that, you know, two tablespoons of black beans on my burrito that's mostly rice is going to get me a ton of protein. Well, it adds a little bit and you do get it from your wrap and you get it from your rice and stuff like that. But you're not getting like a really concentrated source and you're not getting a really like optimally balanced wide variety of nutrient source if you're doing it that way. I feel very called out here, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. <laughs> So that is something. So I'm going to take a, a little tangent to another documentary that I watched here. So this was recommended to me after having watched The Game Changers to watch this uh, debunking film. So it's called The Game Changers Debunked. It's on YouTube. You can find it there. And it's a bunch of people who were not happy with the evidence, science, whatever of the game changers. And so they put together their own documentary to rip it apart. And they certainly do with as much bias as the game changers use <laughs> just in the opposite direction. So truth be told, I only got 36 minutes into this for various reasons. But part of it was I was yelling at my TV so much that my blood pressure couldn't take it. So I had to stop. <laughs> I think that Jem uh, and Lauren and I were at trivia at the time and we were uh, at the breaks, receiving all of the Slack messages from Laura, being very <laughs> mad at this documentary. It was very annoying because I understand their intent was to debunk all of the bad science, which they did. But then they also threw in a bunch of bad faith, obviously biased arguments that they didn't have to do. Again, mm. they could have just said this is bad, this is bad, this is wrong, this is false. They could have done that. But instead, they brought in a ton of people who are like, look at me, I'm so strong and fit on my essentially keto animal-based diet. I'm so healthy. And uh. it's these like rich doctors who are conventionally attractive, walking around, showing off their workout routines, talking about how they talk to their patients about how important animal protein is and blah, blah, blah. It was very annoying. Yeah. It was just annoying and just a swamp of privilege and just not understanding that, okay, your five egg lunch with bacon, if everybody in the world ate like that, 
we would have no world. Like, we can't sustain this. So obviously, this is not something that we can truly suggest to everyone. Mm -hmm. But you don't care about everyone, because that's obvious in the way you talk. <laughs> so for those reasons alone, I hate it. But back to the vegetarian part of it. Back to the, the vegetable parts. So they had to bring on some ex-vegan athletes to prove, you oh know, boy. how they oh, actually no. did so much worse on the vegan diet and that. A couple of them I forget. I we didn't I didn't get far enough into the movie to really know. But the first one was a female athlete. I do not remember what sport she was in. Some kind of endurance kind of thing. But she yeah, she did try a vegan diet. It was a raw food fruitarian no! vegan diet. So she was eating fruits and vegetables, no legumes, no nuts, no seeds, none of this, and not cooking any of it. Like, what a disingenuous argument you're making there. I was so angry. And so there was this person talking about how it made her sick and malnourished. Well, no kidding, it made you sick and malnourished. Co cooking plants is a good way to get some more nutrients out of them. It really, really is. For the record, cooking meat is a good way to get more nutrients out of it as well. Just saying. Because it makes it easier for us to digest, right? Yeah, essentially. And it just, it breaks some of the bonds where some of the minerals and that would have been locked in. So that gets, with proteins being denatured and, and whatnot, that right. becomes more bioavailable. It unkinks them, not to kink shame. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> what denaturing is. I'm going to make the creaky noise with my chair to punish me. <laughs> That's when I started yelling because it was so unfair. It was just as unfair as what we just witnessed here. And oh, it drove me nuts. The other thing was some, I don't know if it was a doctor. I don't know who it was, but somebody talking about how plant proteins or plants can't give you enough protein because a cup of quinoa only has six grams of protein. Why are you using quinoa as an example of a high, highly concentrated protein source? You could have said a block of tofu in which a quarter of a standard 12 ounce block gives you 12 grams right there. What? Like, oh, quinoa as a protein source. Also, I hate that. <laughs> like we did mention it earlier as one of the only uh, complete protein sources but it's actually not a it's not a, a good source of compared protein. to other <laughs> comparable whole grains it has the same amount of protein per weight yeah so, it just has okay, like a more a, a more optimal it balance has, it has of like amino a slightly acids. more optimal balance but like wheat berries so whole wheat kernels cooked and, and quinoa kernels cooked per cup they have the same amount of protein like no. it's not different and you can get complete proteins like as a vegetarian, by just throwing some rice and some beans in the same dish. It's not like all of the other protein sources that you can eat as a vegetarian are compromised in some fundamental way. It's just you need to mix and match a bit more. That's all. You need to have a varied diet, which is what Laura is always exactly. telling us. Yeah. Exactly. The more variety, the better. And if you're going vegan, you have to pay a little bit more attention to certain things, making sure you get in what you what you need. When I was in high school, in high school bio, they were still teaching us that you, if you were going vegetarian, you needed to have uh, like rice and corn in the same meal to make the complete protein and that you needed to pay a lot of attention to that. But now I think the recommendation is just have a varied diet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to help through if you do it through the day. Yeah. You know, if you had all of your beans on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all of your grains on the rest of the week, <laughs> you might not get what you actually need 
But you're also probably going to be more full and satisfied if you do combine those things together. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the other movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Game Changers debunked. Yeah, right. That's about all all I needed to say on that. So let's talk about genitalia, shall we? Uh, (laughs) They they are really trying to sell. Uh, I could have phrased that transition differently and chose not to, for the record. (laughs) I would like to say that Dave specified this was his favorite part. (laughs) Okay, part of the documentary or part of the body? (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Okay, uh, now I will qualify that. The, The reason it is my favorite is because I particularly love the... Direct in your face uh, again, bad wording. Uh, <laughs> uh, elements, uh, salesmanship that they are trying to do. They are obviously clearly marketing this to macho men, mm-hmm. straight up to say, "Go vegan, you will have longer lasting, harder erections." That yeah. is the sales. Pitch. So I will quote directly from the movie: "You are more erect after a plant based meal than an animal based meal." <laughs> So so what they did in this Mythbusters style experiment is they fitted three athletic men with uh, a device that measures the girth of their penis, uh, and they would then eat either a burrito with meat in it or a burrito with a plant-based meat substitute in it. They all fitted this thing on, ate their burritos, and went to sleep. And uh, as listeners who do not have penises are probably still aware, but might not know, men get erections during the night. And so what they did is uh, this device would measure the duration and girth of their erections and uh, gave them some nice charts and graphs at the end. We got to see circles that I think illustrated the cross-sections of their genitalia. Um, (laughs) It was a very strange part of the movie, but uh, they all had the meat burrito first. (laughs) <laughs> oh, damn. Jesus. <laughs> this is why I'm not mic'd. <laughs> Lauren is off mic, and they are just dying. <laughs> so I just want to shout out, Chris, I believe our listener's name is. This is your fault. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Meat burrito. <laughs> amazing thank you lauren lauren just 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 said off mic it's not a sandwich nope hot dog is a sandwich lauren nope one argument at a time yes we already did sandwich cast moving on okay so back on track uh so the idea here is that the men who were fitted with these devices uh got to discover to their surprise that they had more i guess overnight erectile time than usual after eating the vegetarian burrito which i i guess is strange that's hypothetically possible um so (laughs) so ashlyn mentioned that in the first night you know there it was the first time wearing this weird thing on their dick that they're not used to wearing (laughs) maybe by the second night they figured out that they liked it So yeah, like this is not a real experiment. It also is very puzzling to me why more erections at night would be a desirable outcome. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't yeah. measure like staying power or anything, anything like that. Because right. dick work good. Right. Yeah, that's that's what it amounts to. This On vegetables. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Laura. 
No, this is one of the things that, again, the movie doesn't really address is they take one bit of evidence and then they really extrapolate it. And okay, so maybe this thing happens here. But like you said, Jem, like, does it mean that this translates into this other time when you use this same part of your body, you know, <laughs> or or whatever yeah. else happens? Or, or does it, okay, you did this one blood test. Great. But does that actually, do we have good evidence to show that that correlates to risk on something or or worse function with this or that or like whatever it happens to be they just really don't talk about that do we need to start labeling blocks of tofu if you experience an erection that lasts four hours or longer contact your doctor no no we don't well and i thought jem made a good point (laughs) (laughs) a surprise in your voice (laughs) (laughs) well because you just talked about the point i made so now i'm gonna talk about a point you made that i liked that when they show these kinds of experiments on shows like Mythbusters, I find them entertaining, but also relatively convincing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes both ways. It's also not a great experiment uh, when you see it on Mythbusters. Yeah. And one of the things that we do know about Mythbusters, or at least is claimed about Mythbusters, incredibly, I think, uh, is that they do a lot of experiments that don't get shown, mm-hmm. that that confirm the the conclusion but they also say you know this is not science this is a demonstration right, right? they do say we're doing science sometimes but you know <laughs> adam savage just was pretty careful about that but these folks are definitely saying like this is science and they're not making any claims of like our sample size is very small yeah uh, uh- <laughs> I was gonna let it go, and then I have an N of eight. I'll have you know, <laughs> eight penises is too many. <laughs> it depends Please on the get party. that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a hydra. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to avoid erasing on this one. (laughs) Can we just put like a little note beside it that says, trust us, it's worth it? (laughs) I think we used up up all of our audience uh, credibility with Sandwich Cast for that. We lost all of our goodwill. We got a lot of positive comments after that. Did we? <laughs> Didn't we? From whom? From after, pos- after it went out. Maybe that was from other things. Oh, we, got, we got one positive review. Hey, that is a lot for us. <laughs> <laughs> we really like your reviews. We get excited when we see them. <laughs> Not as excited as we get after a tofu burrito, though. <laughs> oh my god, Jeff. Okay, that, there, right there. That's where it got slapped on. <laughs> it wasn't the eight dicks that did it. <laughs> <laughs> that was camouflage. <laughs> How do you camouflage them? <laughs> Don't trim. <laughs> so that was a garbage experiment. <laughs> so there's no real context provided for this. There's just, you know, as Ashlyn said, it's just dick work good. But I think that Dave's read on this is right. That mm-hmm. this is it's a response to the soy boy scare, you know. Um, you know, there's been a concerted effort to demonize leftists because they're all vegetarians or whatever. <laughs> and this has resulted in this idea, especially in more right-leaning traditionally circles, where, you know, eating soy is bad for your private parts or whatever. 
turns you into a girl, and also that's bad for some reason, or whatever. And so I, I guess they're clumsily trying to fumble their way to dispelling that, but there's no argument there. Well, then the, the next part they go into after they've made that point is that I guess that argument is based on soy contains a lot of uh, estrogen. Phyto- phytoestrogen. Phyto- phytoestrogen. Yeah. Well, they do make that, that distinction as well. And they just show a quick, it looks like reasonably good science. I haven't looked too much into that saying, no, no, honestly, soy is not as bad as it's been demonized to be. And then they move on. I, I don't know if Laura wants to speak to the phytoestrogen thing, but my understanding of it is that it is a big hullabaloo that is not really a, worth worrying about. They didn't move on, though. They they said tofu and, and soy is fine and even maybe good for you because it blocks these other estrogen receptors and meat is actually the one that is making you girly well well meat yeah right (laughs) um and again that's bad for some reason i guess is the implication so meat contains estrogen estrogens not not just phytoestrogens right and that is if you should be concerned about estrogen uh which i you know i don't think that there's reason to be, except perhaps in some extreme cases. But if you're concerned about estrogen consumption, you should probably be more concerned about actual estrogen consumption, not something that can act like estrogen under certain circumstances. Yeah, the best research there, there there have been some studies that have come out that have shown altered testosterone levels, but then there are other studies that haven't shown that. So far, the consensus is that if you're consuming a moderate soy intake, so that's two to three servings a day, there's no concern over affecting your testosterone levels. Now, for some people, and this doesn't even really apply to most men, but for people who have had hormone-responsive breast cancer, or I believe some other gynecological cancers, there's still some concern about consuming a lot of soy products with that. But even then, the moderate intake is something that is recommended in many cases there. So it's still, there's some conservative views saying, no, just avoid it. And then there's a lot of views saying, no, actually, it's it's okay to consume. So that's where the evidence kind of lies. Not clear evidence of harm for the typical case, right? Right. After this, they move on to the way studies are funded. And like this is, I think, trivially true. I don't know how interesting it is. We know that the dairy association or whatever will fund studies showing that dairy is good for you, just like a pharmaceutical industry uh, that is selling a particular drug will fund studies that shows that that drug is beneficial, and then they will fund studies. And if it shows that the drug isn't beneficial, they won't bother to publish it because that's the incentives that are at play in our system, and it sucks. The idea that the meat and dairy industries are funding research that is maybe even just straight up bad research to show that their products are better or that veganism is a bad way of life, totally unsurprising to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, the the presentation is quite interesting to me because they start off with, well, we know cigarettes are bad. And we know that the cigarette industry used sports, uh, showing the athletes all smoking. And then all the studies that were done, tobacco was taken away from uh, away from sports so they couldn't advertise with it anymore. And then quickly transitioning from there into this is the exact same playbook that the meat and dairy industry 
are utilizing and then all the fast food and the athletes now promoting fast food and KFC and Popeyes and all those other restaurants, including this particular athlete, and I forget his name, showing, and it, my, my industry is guilty of it too, and the big Burger King logo in the middle of the uh, UFC ring, mm-hmm. implying, I guess, the meat industry is just as evil as the tobacco industry? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, So it can be true that the same entities are laundering this money to fund these studies, or the same entities are advertising using the same techniques without it being true that, that a steak and a cigarette are equally bad for you. And as we as we talked, we actually talked about that very specific thing on last episode um, a- a- Ash- on Ashland segment, so so we won't retread that here, but feel free to go back and listen to the comparison of cigarettes and steaks, which we did. <laughs> I believe it was cigarettes and salami. Right. <laughs> Delicious salami. I'm excited to try the uh, vegan butcher shop in Minneapolis when we go down there for gala this summer. I'm going to go See what their salami's like. Mm, yeah. I hope it's delicious. Yeah, I'd be interested in trying that. I have, I've had mixed success with, with lunch meat type things. Mm-hmm. Lauren has no interest as a vegan in the family. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to try it. So the ethical arguments uh, that they ended with or so I'm told, are more interesting to me, but somebody else will have to speak to them because I was putting the kids to bed at that time. Uh, Well, they did like the environmental thing that a very true thing is that animals consume feed, which needs to be farmed, Mm -hmm. and there is more protein in that feed than the animals provide when they're eaten. So the animal is just a middleman. And if we cut out eating animals, we could just eat the stuff that is farmed, and then we could reduce our farming footprint. And a- according to the documentary, we could reclaim an area the size of Africa. Seems like a lot. That seems a little too much, just in my head thinking about the uh, the amount of landmass used for animal husbandry. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly possible, I guess. Well, it's not just the animal husbandry, because there's the amount yeah, yeah, yeah. animals used, and then there's the amount yeah. the farming is used. Absolutely. For the cows, which is a dramatically yeah. uh, larger amount. Yeah. You know, even the protein yield aside, there is a significant loss of efficiency by calorie count as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, entropy is at play here. Right. Yeah. And right. there was also a discussion of how much water is used to produce yep. animal protein as opposed to vegetable protein. I'm sure uh, if, Laura, if you had finished the Game Changers debunked uh, video, <laughs> I'm sure they would have brought up, like, in response to that, the the almonds being grown in California or, oh, yeah, or whatever. So I mean, water. there is there is lots of lots Dang. of inefficiencies. But at, at least play. almonds don't suffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's. Kind of do. I know. I was just yeah. going to say, but the bees do. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm showing my my stripes as a bad. I'm not even a bad vegan. A bad a bad wannabe vegan. I'm not sure how much I care about insects. And, you know, maybe Ashlyn was saying people will look back at us as monsters for killing animals in the same way we look back at, you know, Thomas Jefferson as being a, a monster uh, for owning slaves and, you know, all of their rape and stuff, too. Uh, but maybe a hundred years after that, people will look, look back at us as monsters for having bees or whatever. Um, so maybe I'm just – but, you know, bees, they're, they're basically robots, right? I mean, they can't really have an experience of being a bee, can they? I, mean, I feel like, like we were talking about – Butterflies having remembering the the bad shocky reflex thing like that yeah. seems bad. 
Yeah, I mean, you could you could make the behaviorist stimulus response argument, but I mean, I'm a that's determinist, also true. so like that's just tree, a trees and everything will. Yeah, they experience uh, distress. Oh boy, I think it was a New York Times article I was screaming about like eight or nine years ago, where where the guy was saying vegetarianism is stupid because plants also have negative responses to being eaten, and I'm like, but they don't experience pain. Yeah, so so the counter to that isn't. So go kill as many animals as you yeah, want. Yeah, like, exactly. That's things. Both things can be bad. It's not again. It's not a zero sum game. There are and spectrums. <laughs> yes, yes. Things are on a spectrum with these things. I'm actually since we've been talking about you know what we'll be remembered for. I don't think that we'll be remembered for being monsters for eating animals at all. I think the way in which we do it right now, the way that we treat them from birth to death to the poor way we treat their flesh once they are dead, I think that's what we'll be remembered for. Yeah. Because, so, you know, whether you choose to eat animals or not, I don't think there's good arguments for our current system of getting them to the supermarket or to the restaurant. Well, the Um, argument is one of efficiency and scale, which I think is a bad argument. Sure, sure. I, I think that's the, I think that is the least ethical part of it sure it is different when you are hunting things occasionally or raising a few things for your own need or something like that and using whatever else is available to you uh, of plant sources i think that's what we're going to be remembered for because that's awful we're all going to die i i would prefer to suffer as little as possible Uh, i'm sure non-human animals would feel similarly given the option Sure. I'm sort of mixed on them having the ethical argument in there because it is a reasonable reason to choose that type of lifestyle, but it doesn't have anything to do with being an elite athlete. Like, it it doesn't at all. I was actually really surprised how little time they spent talking about actual animal suffering. I think they spent more time on the eco argument. I think that it's more in the news (laughs) right now with Australia still being on fire. But again, like the whole point of this wasn't to show individual uh, arguments. It was to portray enough of a wide range of really good to not great arguments, hoping that something will stick and, and make you a vegetarian. Right. Uh, it's all it's all sales pitch. And if like one of the last parts in the environmental aspect is talking to the rangers protecting elephants and rhinos in Africa mm-hmm. uh, and the amount of territory that they're protecting and the ethical dilemma the one of the uh, rangers went through from going, well, why am I going out all day long and protecting these animals and then going home and eating other animals? Mm-hmm. Which is a good argument, uh, and I believe one of yours as well. And that, and that's all fine and good, but maybe the tugging on the, on the the heartstrings of, of the precious gray animals will work. Seems to be what what they were aiming for. Yeah, I suppose so. It just it was annoying. Not having that argument, the whole thing was annoying, and it just <laughs> it didn't endear me because I was so annoyed. Also. Well, you're not the target audience. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they're, they're not aiming for the the uh, the nutrition specialist demographic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything else aside, it's also not a big pool to pull from. <laughs> but uh, Dave, you bring up a very good point, and that's something that is important for all of our listeners to remember. Every documentary you watch is not an impartial view. Everything really is a sales pitch, right? At a minimum, they have to make an argument for their own existence on the platform, Netflix, for <laughs> example, right? 
but there is a reason that somebody made it. You know, you don't, it's not the trash bag video in American Beauty or whatever. <laughs> it is not, you know, a random, we, what, what I'm saying, <laughs> Lauren, Lauren has given me a really weird look, which is fair. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry for reminding everybody that Kevin Spacey exists briefly. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is that a, a documentary and any other film comes from somewhere. There's a reason somebody decided to make it. And for a documentary specifically, they're always trying to convince you of something. And I would say there, there's a hidden curriculum at play, not only in documentaries, that's simply where it's often obvious, but in a lot of other uh, media. Cop shows, for example, are very concerned with convincing you that cops are good. <laughs> and that's an argument for another day. <laughs> uh, but uh, so just be aware of the sales pitch mm -hmm. and be aware that that's what you're watching. And it's okay to watch that sometimes. It's, a, it's okay to watch some HGTV and be convinced that you need to redo your bathroom again. <laughs> um, this time in Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I think we all agreed that it would have been a pretty good documentary that they could have put together showing that vegan high-end athletes exist and can do so happily and healthily. And I think that's a good argument. I think there are lots of good arguments for going vegan. I think that putting together a bunch of bad science to convince people is the wrong way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. Yeah, and if you're going to go vegan, remember that you got to do it right, get your B12, etc. Yeah, exactly. They almost, almost made the argument that you could get B12 from, from plants. <laughs> They came back around and they said, oh, just take a supplement, which they could have said before the very long-winded explanation about how animals don't really make the B12 anyway, which was convinced, which I'm very concerned and no convinced some people that actually they can just eat plants. And okay, no, it, it is they technically true, <laughs> but, but t technically correct, but so technically correct that it is effectively wrong. Well, they also kind of implied that back in the day, farmers oh. got their B12 from eating trace amounts of dirt. <laughs> Which, I mean, they, people did eat more dirt than we sure, do now. But that's not how they got their B12. No, they be were eating animals. <laughs> yeah, they just, they didn't eat them as often as we do, especially in hunter-gatherer type societies. Yeah, which is fine and great. <laughs> but they ate it. And the thing is, your body can store several years worth of B12. So if you're dealing with only eating meat every few months, depending on how the hunt or the catch is going, you're fine. Mm -hmm. yeah, There's also, but, you should also be skeptical of arguments that like, you know, a thousand years ago, they did it this way because we have optimized a little since then. Yeah, Not always well, but- A lot of well, people but, died a thousand years ago of preventable shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, like the picture of the potato with the dirt on it. It was like, <laughs> this is what people ate and they got their B12 from this. Mm. No, it's not. That was one of the worst parts, Oh, I think. that was really <laughs> annoying. I'm just imagining like an old farmer just licking that potato. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they could have. They had so many opportunities to change the tone and talk about a lot of people don't know that the B12 doesn't actually originate in the animals, but in the bacteria that they pick up or their gut bacteria, whatever. And cool, right? Isn't that neat? But the thing is, you can't get enough from plants. Yeah. So you still need a supplement or fortified foods. That's all they had to say. But instead, they went really far to try to convince us that, well, you can take a supplement. It's fine. But actually, just go lick some dirty potatoes. <laughs> And, like, people love the sports documentaries of people doing wild and extreme stuff, like this guy that carried the weight of a horse across the stage uh, to demonstrate how great his vegan muscles are. I would have totally watched this documentary if it was about 
vegan athletes doing wild things. And then they could have put in all of the good science about the vegan athletes and it would still have a place and a purpose on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix. It didn't have to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't have to be. And there was a lot of big names and that attached to this that it could have been better. Mm Mm-hmm. What are we talking about next month, Jem? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So next month on LUEE, we are going to be talking about neo-religions. Yes, we're talking about religions followed by Keanu Reeves. Uh, No, we're talking about new religions. Whoa. Whoa. Is that better? No? Good night, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. Night. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else is produced by Jem Newman and Ashlyn Noble with mix and tech production by Jem Newman. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or by sharing an episode with a friend. Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Lauren Bailey. My name is Jem Newman, and with you, I'm so bad at this. I don't know what's happening.